Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. But before we get started, I'm so excited to tell you guys that the next Dream Inner Summit is happening next Friday the 14th. So be sure to mark your iCals. It's going to be an amazing event as we brought together international spirit leaders, teachers, shamans, and a clinical psychologist who are all deeply connected to our spirit world and mother nature. And they're going to help us gain better insights about our subconscious, connect with our ancestral roots, and even explore the positive psychology of synchronicity so that we can get a deeper understanding and alignment of our soul's mission. That's a theme of the event, aligning with our soul's mission. And today's very special guest, who I'm so honored to have on the show today, will also be at the summit. So you're in for a double treat, guys. Link is in the show notes. So grab your tickets there and we'll see you on the 14th. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of PS Younger Self. I am so excited to introduce you to a very special guest today. He is a spiritual scientist, a reputed ceremonial leader, and an entrepreneur of the consciousness and sustainable life systems. He guides individuals and businesses towards optimization through a combination of modalities, including human design, energetics, remote viewing, shamanism, Kabbalah, genetics, and today we're talking to him about the incredible wisdom system called the Sphinx Code, which he actually channeled and brought into the world. The Sphinx Code is a powerful tool that unveils the blueprint of our subconscious archetypes. And guys, I have personally tried it and was completely blown away by its insights about my subconscious and what my clear strategies are to help me transcend my deeply rooted limiting beliefs. And because my experience was so mind-blowing, I had to invite him to share more about the history of it, its uniqueness, so that you can get the most out of your own experience with the Sphinx Code, because it will truly awaken your true potential. Oh, and just a fascinating fun fact about our guest, he has helped digitize global brands like the NFL, Major League Baseball, Universal Pictures Properties, Sony Pictures Properties, and became the youngest Sony exec as a VP of New Media and Technologies by the age of 23, before today becoming a visionary spiritual guardian. So please meet the extraordinary guest, Manesh Ibar. Welcome, Manesh. So honored to meet you. So nice to be here. Thank you, Chris. Very welcome. So as I was mentioning, I discovered the Sphinx Code and had a really fascinating experience and I had to hear more about it from the man who channeled it. And I'd love for you to, because Manesh, I don't think many people know about it, or at least um, I had never heard about it until a friend of mine discovered it. And I would love for you to first start off, tell us what is the Sphinx Code? And why is it such a powerful tool in helping us understand our subconscious patterns? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a, a story. I mean, the Sphinx Code basically is a, as you said, channeled information of a wisdom system, which basically I think goes back to some very ancient knowledge that somehow I was able to tap into um, with the help actually of two other channelers, psychics, uh, where we were having some auspicious moments together, as psychics do sometimes. 
And uh, but basically, the the system uh, uses your birth information and uses the tarot, which is this incredible visual language of archetypes, and displays this kind of cart or a uh, archetypal map, in a sense, that is unique to you. And it shows incredible depth of knowledge about your life, about your patterns, about your behaviors, about your traits, about your strengths. And I think one of the most powerful aspects is it really gives you clear advice on how to transcend some of these wounds so that you can move into like the shadow work basically with clarity because it's very easy when you know your coach or your shaman tells you work on your shadows, but what are your shadows and what are your specifics? And so it's very specific while giving you this kind of clarity through the visual language of the tarot that we all love. Yeah, and that you talked about the shadows and there's so much of our shadows that comes from our everything from our parents, which I feel like is kind of our deepest uh, conditioning to society and culture. But before we go into that, I thought it would be maybe interesting also, Manesh, if you can tell us a little bit about like the history of it, because I was trying to read up on it, and I know there's some correlation as it dates back to and relates to the Emerald Tablets. Would you be able to share us just a little bit without getting too deep into it? Yeah, completely. I mean, what happened is we were just, um, it was like three psychics and friends, and we were all just kind of sharing information. And basically... We thought it was interesting how there was astrology and there's this human design and there's all these other uh, systems that use your birth information to get a personal chart. And yet tarot is one of the common tools that we all love, but it was mostly used as divination. And we thought, hey, you know what? Maybe there is another system for the tarot that actually gives you a personal map in a sense. Um and so we all kind of used our channeling capacities, our psychic capacities, and we uh, put an intention, which is that we wanted to get to the root of where the tarot came from. And we wanted to know if there was a personalized way of using the tarot. And immediately, I mean, it was, it was almost scary how fast this entity came into the room um, and it started speaking uh, to us in a very, very direct and clear way uh, about how the origins of the tarot were linked to these emerald tablets and that Doth, which is the, the spirit that was around, uh, basically used this as the sacred teachings of the high priests of um, Egypt, and that this there was a numerological aspect to birthdays which unveiled a secret code which was split into the kabbalah and then the tarot itself was moved into the gypsies as a game and therefore they split the knowledge as the empire of egypt kind of fell apart and they wanted to keep the sacred teachings um but not giving it all to one person as I guess there was this manipulation that was going on back then. And so this is what he, this entity told us. And so he kind of unveiled this, this code to us. And it took a, a couple of days, um, basically where we came back together 
because when you're channeling, it's pretty intense. And so, you know, you can only kind of handle a certain amount of time and then you, you have to just unplug. Uh, but it completely fascinated us. I think actually it was almost like a week where we just kind of kept coming back together. And then, I mean, that's the original download. But then afterwards, um, you know, I worked through this for about 10 years with different clients kind of testing it and seeing it. And it was kind of my secret tool uh, that I kind of kept in the background until I decided like, okay, it's, it's, it's really proven itself to be fantastic. And I need to share this with others. Well, we're so lucky it's not a secret tool anymore. But just listening to you, Manesh, it just sounded like I was watching some incredible movie come to life in terms of like how everything visually was coming together with all the different telling with the other psychics. So fascinating. And so in the Sphinx Code, I know that the our 12 archetypes that, so when I saw my Sphinx code and saw the information behind it, there's this explanation about how our, it's like seeing our subconscious through 22 archetypes, right? But if you can help us understand like why, why is it, why are we looking at it through these 12, sorry, 22 archetypes? as it relates to understanding or subconscious? That's a great question. First of all, you must be a little bit psychic if you're tapping into the visuals of it because it was very, very <laughs> visual. So that's a good thing. I don't and think we all have <laughs> I'm sure you are, but like we all are and we all have to develop it. But anyways, the tarot is, is quite a fascinating aspect because of this. It, it is a card game, and in Europe, it's, it's actually really a, a playful game. And I think most of the cards uh, that we play, you know, battle and all that comes from this, except that there's these major arcanas, which is these 22 archetypes with the fool going through the fool's journey of the 21 other archetypes, which is all about the teachings of the esoteric world. And, you know, most mystery schools talk about these archetypes and there's a reason for it because astrology, human design, you know, all the, all the Mayan calendar, all these kind of systems, these wisdom systems, the I Ching, they are all based on a certain mathematics of how the universe manifests itself through the phi code, so the, the proportion of phi, and the anti-phi code, which is almost the 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 other side of the triangle in a sense because there's a triangular form that actually describes the entire mathematics and this gives the pulse or the rhythm or the breath of life as most traditions kind of talk about and in that we really see that matter is created through a series of mathematics and the 22 archetypes play in within that mathematics. And so they're actually beyond the astrological uh, whole system. And then they're influencing the astrological systems. And then that influences our matter or how we actually are, are being made and encoded, which then you can get into the genetics with the I Ching or human design. And so that you can actually see how consciousness comes into form 
And the subconscious is really an interesting phenomena that uh, helps us materialize ourselves. It's actually 85% of our thoughts. And these patterns, these subconscious patterns, is this great mystery. You know, I mean, Carl Jung had a lot to do with unveiling that in terms of our modern day. But I think the ancients and even the old shamans and most of the occult systems and mystery schools discussed the archetypes. And it happens to be that in the number mechanism of how things manifest, there's 21 plus the fool, which is the one that's either zero or 22 that plays through this. And funny enough, you know, there's been this whole thing, I, most people know about the movie, The 21 Grams, which talks about how when we die, we lose 21 grams and everything like a cat, a dog, or us lose 21 grams. And in a weird way, it would be the 21 archetypes that are within us that we lose. I mean, that's kind of like a nice romantic way. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to reveal that I actually don't know the movie 21 Graham. Shame on me. But when you just explained it, that's so fascinating. Uh, going through kind of our, the different archetypes to lose the 21 and become our true oneself. Exactly. Right. Wow. I mean, it's basically our soul holds these 21 grams, which is basically these archetypes. And so in a sense, our subconscious uniqueness and patterns are a variation of a set of these 22 archetypes or 21 archetypes. And in order to initiate ourselves to grow consciously, um, we have to go through and understand our subconscious archetypal patterns, mm-hmm. which unveils really our shadow, our subconscious, and then our light, our soul. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Sphinx Code does. There's, the way that the Sphinx Code is, is organized is there's 16 different cards, which also fits into the whole fee code manifestation but basically you have this light pyramid and the dark pyramid and that kind of creates this diamond which looks like your boat with an inner card that's really your soul's uh, main purpose let's say to incarnate and then you have all these colors of the masculine and the feminine to help you navigate through your life And then you have these four cards that are your transpersonal, transcendental path that gives you your harmonization and it gives you your soul's mission of what this vehicle wants to incarnate within the world as a gift. Wow. Yeah. So when I was looking at my Sphinx Code, Manesh, there, you're presented with your inner child, what your true gift is that you came into this world. And then the shadow archetypes, both from your mother's side and father's side. And then there's a harmonization card that helps us and you can help me fill in the blanks here, but the actions and the lessons I think that we need to play out to transcend our shadow. And then the one that I would love also more um, kind of clarity is then the transcendence. Um, So if the transcendence manages, like what other gifts I think that we kind of develop or see then how is that different than the inner child 
the true gift that we came into this world to share. So in a sense, there's a couple more cards. So there's also your negative environment, and then there's the whole positive aspect. And so you have your positive environment. And as you said, your whole masculine aspect of the wounds from your father, let's say, is also something to work through, which becomes your own positive masculine and therefore your career and your kind of path. And then that moves up into your positive masculine, just like in your intimate for relationships, what your mother kind of gave you and even your past lives gave you is then moved into your positive let's say, sexual and intimate path. And then your transcendental or your age card or your your harmonization key is what helps you, even though it's not favorable, but it helps you move into the path of transcendence, which is about transformation. Mm -hmm. And there's an ego transformation that's there, which actually in uh, some of the readings that you did with Destiny, he chose not to go there too much because it does hurt to be um, to have your ego bashed, let's say, or realigned. <laughs> but that's a huge part of the transcendence. It's actually to that's move through your, let's say, conditioned ego personality, which is formulated or created by the wounds of your parents. And this inner child that's kind of in between carrying this innocent, pure energy with both your parents having expectations within their own wounds, within all this stuff, that imprint stuff on this inner essence, then the ego protects you. It almost gets created to, you know, help protect the inner essence from the projections of the masculine and the feminine. But it also derails us or gives us a perspective of ourselves, which is distorted. And so we call it the false personality. And so the transcendent card, the key, helps us move through that false perspective to realign us to gain a, let's say, more clear perspective on seeing the wounds that we've gotten and liberating the inner essence so that we can actually achieve that inner essence into being a gift to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said it, the ego is, it's the hardest thing that every human, I think, you know, let me know if you disagree, but I mean, what holds us back so much every day, we can do so much self-awareness work and try to evolve from a conscious level, but the ego always likes to strike its ugly head. And I think once you've faced your, your, that egoic structure and, um, try to, I don't know, you either befriended or go beyond it is when you gain so much more clarity and, can go on this like path to really pursuing what your soul was meant to be. But I mean, I, no matter all the work that I've been doing on my own as well, Manesh, it's a constant daily struggle to uh, manage my ego. Completely. I mean, it's actually a fascinating thing because the ego helps you on so many levels manifest things. And at the same time, it can be the biggest trap that you have that prevents you from manifesting yourself. 
and your true essence. So it's this kind of double-edged sword that we need to really learn how to manage, how to keep sharp on both sides, but not be trapped by its illusions. And 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 I think a lot of the new age world has not dealt with the ego and brought even more illusions, which is actually what I think the Sphinx Code gives tremendously. And and you know, luckily I had a lot of teachers that really help me work so deeply within the dark side, the shadow side, the ego side, and the mental trips that we are caught into, the matrixes of our cultural programming that comes from so many different generations that, that, that almost epigenetics that's actually malfunctioning our own genetics because we're actually manifesting through that conditioning of the wounded ego. The wounded ego, if you think about it, is actually brilliant in the sense that it creates this protection layer of certain traumas that we've had as kids from not getting the love that we really wanted in our perspective as a unique individual. And yet that becomes then the whole work that we need to do is to dismantle and understand the, the this protective mechanism to get back to that innocence. And through that journey, we become human. We become empathetic, you know, we become compassionate, we become, uh, you know, almost accepting and forgiving of our parents' lackings and, and really understanding that. But it requires some serious work, obviously. Yeah, that was so, um, I love what you said there, it was so beautifully profound. The wounded ego is brilliant in and creating this protective layer. And like when you were explaining it, Manesh, I mean, I just feel like, you know, part of the human journey or what I'm now feeling what life is for me part of, you know, at my, I just turned 40, but like you come into Oh, thank you. Yeah, actually, it's an, more of an exciting stage, I think. Um, and I never fear actually getting older. Anyway, the point is, is that like we come into our world as this beautiful soul, this innocent soul, right? But with all the conditioning and programming that is layered and layered and layered upon us from gosh, society to educational institutions to your family, geez, I've had so much of that, that the process of this human journey is to like peel back and confront all that to get back to our true innocence that we came into this world as. And I'm like, if I can go on that journey now, what what I feel like is what I'm getting the true meaning of life. But Thank you. you know, so- it's very really interesting because there's there's a, a lot of these systems, the astrology systems, all throughout time, and some of these occult. And why are they occult? It's because actually some of the religious institutions wanted these systems to go away because one of the things that they kind of insinuate is that there is no real free will, which is a quite a, an interesting aspect in terms of the ego, right? Because willpower and the ego are very connected. And yet if there's no free will, then the ego's conditioning is is the whole work in a sense. It's, it's how to realign to your divine essence. And that's it. And then after that, everything should flow normally where if we want to control you, 
we have to give you, no, no, you have free will, which means you can do whatever you want, which means not aligning to your own divinity. And so our society is very much about almost rewarding the ego, the negative ego, the conditioned ego, and rather than trying to help it understand its original wounds and realign yourself to divine will. And once that happens, it's it's almost like all the surrender, serendipity, the synchronicity, the, you know, there's no coincidence, all of that just naturally comes in abundance because the divine is abundant. And so we're all meant to be in abundant consciousness, but it's the ego and the fear of the ego by protecting the old traumas of our inner childhood that are on top of it, supported through distractions of media, through, you know, all the, the consumerism, through all the distractions that escape our real inner tuning and our inner gifts from coming out. Um, that's what our society is pushing versus real knowledge of, hey, look, here's a real wound and here's how you can actually get out of it because here's your real inner essence and here's your real gift. And I think there's a lot of systems that don't go so deep into that transcendental transformation. Yeah, no, you made a really cool point again about how our society, and I really like the whole, uh, way you put it, our society is rewarding our conditioned ego. I didn't really think about it, but the way you said it completely makes sense. And I agree with you, Manesh. I mean, everything from institutionalized systems to the standards and, and yeah, everything. And you just said it perfectly. But in terms of, because you were uh, also speaking about like, there are synchronicities that are abundant and no coincidences. But, you know, because we're so conditioned, right? And, and by the age of like 35, we're operating at, you know, our mind that is unconscious of these habits of habits of unconscious beliefs and thoughts, et cetera, that we're kind of blind sometimes, unless you're working on being more conscious and aware of these synchronicities. So Manesh, can you, through your experience, like tell us, like, how can we be more uh, aware and, you know, spot these synchronicities or attract more synchronicities in our abundant life? I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's interesting because we've all at this point, especially once you've passed your 30s, you, you've experienced synchronicity. You've experienced that serendipity, that, that kind of natural flow uh, where our brilliance, our divine kind of takes over and creates that magic, creates that aspect. And if you've done any kind of spiritual work, whether it's breath work, all the way up to, you know, plants and, and that kind of medicine, you've entered into that realm of light and beauty and divine essence and, and magic, I'll say it that way. But coming back, your ego kind of takes back the control and knowing what to work on, knowing which limiting beliefs to work on, knowing 
what are your traps? Let's say, what are your mechanisms of survival? What are your mechanisms of fear? What are your mechanisms that prevent you from actually moving into that flow state naturally all the time is what's missing. We're, we don't go to school to learn about our individuality. We go to school to become a unfortunately. And, you know, all our systems today are breaking down because we have homogenized education, homogenized healthcare, homogenized, you know, sports, when, and diet, et cetera, when actually we're all completely unique. And, and so we're needing personalized everything. And so that means one system is going to fall and it brought us to this space. So we need to be thankful of it but yet it's not adequate anymore for the next level of consciousness. And we need to get into individualized systems and especially systems that can bring us that awareness of the work that we need to do. Because I think all of us, when you've experienced that divinity, we all want it again. And we want to hit that flow state. And we all want to get more of that serendipity and, and synchronicity, but we don't have the tools and mostly that comes with the awareness of what we need to work on. And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, today I was, I was uh, working with the wisdom keepers because so basically there's a certification program for the Sphinx code where you learn how to read other people's, um, let's say design or archetypal map. And we have these weekly calls. So it's really fun because we explore all sorts of things from reading celebrities to just going deeper into everything. And one of them was saying today how it's so funny that you can't really escape your archetypes and, and even their wounds, but you can enjoy them much more because as they're functioning, you understand them. And so your whole experience becomes, instead of being a victim to it, you you learn to laugh with it. So he was saying he, he has chariots, which is an archetype of, you know, going fast and, and having that impulse of movement and, and doing things last minute, but yet like rushing and putting pressure, that entrepreneurial kind of spirit um, and, and the chariot, like, you know, he's, he's got two horses, he's moving and he's going fast. <laughs> and so he was trying to like compensate for that and go to his yoga class and he literally put in his calendar to go a half an hour early and to have time to walk to his class and to be chill and relaxed and not go into that chariot mode. And then, of course, just as he walks out the door, he gets an email and he evaluates it. And he's like, oh, I have time to respond to this. And then sure enough, you know, he kind of gets his head out of the water afterwards and he's got nine minutes to get to his class. And there he is again in his chariot moving really fast and he's like god damn it you can't like get away from it <laughs> instead he's laughing about it rather than stressing about it and that difference is so yes. huge so yes. huge and it's I about know. accepting yourself and that's part of the loving yourself I love that thank you for sharing that example and what it showed and reminded me is just perspective. And when you shift that perspective of thinking that the world is happening to you and you're getting beaten down and, and you're a victim of everything, then of course that, that 
negative energy and that mentality is only going to attract so much more of it as opposed to it was so refreshing to hear from you know this guy's perspective you know it's like accepting it and you can laugh at it cuz we're human and just as long as i'm aware of it and then accept the fact that hey you know it's maybe i won't master it every single time but i can laugh at it and then try again the next day exactly. um, Great, great. I think we have this this idea also of mastery, which is flawed. We are masters mm. already by birth, and then we have this 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 layer of crap that basically comes on top of us, right? Exactly. Because we're not recognized as the masters, and yet that's the game. It, the game is that we get this layer of crap <laughs> so that we can take it away, but we forget that it's a game because then we're like pissed off that nobody's recognizing us for being masters, and yet we're perfect. We're already perfect, but we're we're human so we we have a certain state of consciousness that's evolving but that's also limited i mean yeah. I, I remember one of my teachers always was like you know the problem with humans is we always want to know what god thinks but like we're stupid compared to god we can't fathom being god and therefore like leave god to god and stay human stupid <laughs> and, and it was like perfectly humble you know it's like yeah why why are we trying to be god like we can't like we we can't like even like our, our you know we're we're playing around with genetics we're playing around with the microbiome we, we have no idea our whole systematic science can't compute the amount of interactions that are going on in our microbiome let alone in the ecosystem and and yet you know we're trying to like completely dominate it and think that we're above it where we're not we're just part of it yeah. And uh, and so these archetypes are really fascinating. We had this discussion also with some of the wisdom keepers about whether if there was extraterrestrials, would they be stuck within the same archetype? And there is a certain level of understanding these archetypes with a certain level of consciousness, which is quite fascinating. So obviously a cat is probably not dealing with these archetypes, but any intelligent system that's beyond a certain level is always dealing with these archetypes. They're literally universal. And and that's fascinating. And that's why the Sphinx Code becomes really interesting because it does define also what the human spirit and consciousness can achieve in understanding these 22 archetypes, which is why the whole Emerald Tablet uh, was fascinating because it, it actually wrote the Kibbalion it wrote the Hermetic text, uh, you know, the Gnostic texts are based on that. Like so many of our world's spiritual knowledge comes from some of the bases of the Emerald Tablets. I mean, just the basic aspects of God or the divinity is intellectual. It has an intelligence, right? It is intelligent. And when you look at nature, you're like, yep, that's for sure. And then, you know, as above, so below, like that's from that the tablet. They're basic principles that we almost take for granted, but they're they're brilliant understandings of what it is to be spiritual conscious beings incarnated into form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know, one of the um, really profound things that I think I mentioned earlier in our conversation about the Sphinx Code, you know, compared to other modalities, because I I know you have 
expertise in human design too, uh, for example. And I recently had a, a fascinating conversation about uh, human design with a guide as well before I knew absolutely nothing about it. But my point is what I found really, really helpful with the Sphinx Code is that it actually lays out really clearly like steps that you need to take with this information you now know about your subconscious, about your limiting beliefs and these shadows, as opposed to some of the other modalities, which have been also very, very helpful and enlightening. It's, it has been more to me about like, this is who you are. This is kind of your, your, why you act this way? Why are you this way, et cetera. But this one, the Sphinx code, I feel like there are actually action steps so I can move beyond it. Completely. Yeah, I mean that that's part of that transcendental path. It's to transcend exactly. some of these transcend some of these archetypes, or at least like really accept them to a point where you allow them to function without disruption so that you can use them as a color and an addition to your inner essence and your inner gift that, that wants to play. And that wants to give itself to the world in service in a way. And and that's the greatest love that we can like actually give or sublime or or shine onto the world besides having loving relationships is, is really being ourselves fully and expressing that full potential out into the world. And in order to do that, we do need those that clarity and that steps and the transcendental path of moving out of our shadow that prevents us from shining that light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's true. Like, you know, it's also great. Like human design is amazing. I mean, it, it, it really is. Yeah. Just like astrology is amazing. Numerology has studied massively as well, and it's really enlightening. The anagrams are really fascinating. There's so many different systems, right? And I think... What's great about the Sphinx Code is there's something very visual about these archetypes and that somehow, even if you don't know the tarot, there's something about like the lovers, right? Or even temperance or, you know, judgment. Like these words, they they mean so much to us. And even if we don't know so much about the tarot's meaning, we still can get through a, a basic understanding of that visual. And immediately you start interacting with your own archetype. And and because of the visual nature, as soon as somebody gives you a reading of you, here's your masculine, here's your feminine, you immediately see that. You're like, oh, okay, I get those two archetypes. Oh, wow, like that's messed up or that's great or holy shit, yeah, I have a lot of work, you know, because like some people have very feminine masculines and then very masculine feminine. Mm-hmm. Like that can be very disturbing or it can be amazing. And then obviously when you see that, you can accept it. And so when everybody's like, why are you being so feminine? It's like, well, because that's me. <laughs> Rather than being like, shit, I got a problem. Right? Yeah. And that's that's the, that right there, as you said, perspective, that shift in perception allows you to start navigating more correctly through acceptance rather than through judgment and beating yourself up mm-hmm. and actually preventing your natural gift to come through because we are totally unique. We are completely different than what's been out there. 
and the the crime is being homogenized, being the same, you know, trying to be like the other. Like, no. But yet it's nice to have a bit of a map. Like my mother always said, when I started doing all this work very early on, she says, you know, because you always bash in your mom because the mother actually creates the matrix of your reality and therefore there's always more wounds within the feminine. And uh, really? you know, mothers get, get always the, the bad rap. And she was like, well, you didn't come out with a manual of how to love you. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I did my best. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, where is that manual? <laughs> Not only for her, but for me. Like, how, what am I? You know, and it's like, that's what I think a lot of the Sphinx code gives you is a, a really clear picture of how you can navigate yourself. And then on top of it, it helps you understand your parents, uh, especially when you start doing their Sphinx code and you go, oh, my God, I'm carrying their whole lineage and like their wound. Oh, so like I have the same wound as my mom. Oh, OK, like all over. I get her. OK, like yeah. and then you can almost bond ac- according to that and, and, and have a more intelligent conversation in helping even your parents transform their, let's say, conditioning. Yeah, but if they have to be open to that conversation, right? I mean, I'm only saying that yeah. because, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's my, my, yeah, Manesh, I, I, everything you're saying is so, so right. But my, my challenge with my parents is no matter how much I try to frame it, um, it's, it's always met with, I'm trying to prove them wrong or something by my, me sharing my opinion or my perspective on something that I think could help them, it's met with, you just think you're trying to prove me wrong, which is so not it. And so that's been my personal challenge, but I found it really interesting. If you can lightly touch on a little bit more, he said there's typically more wounds associated to the mother side, the mom side. Why is that? Well, the mother is the one that gives you birth. She's the one that's actually giving you your body, right? And the body is is so deep into the matrix of of the whole, let's say, hologram of this earth, of of the, the, the matter of this earth, right? She's completely connecting you to that, uh, yeah, the matter, the elements. And by her giving you birth, there's a much deeper connection and deeper wound that comes with that connection i mean no matter what whether you're a man or a woman you're you're you have an imprint of your the, the, the let's say your birthing canal or your birthing tunnel uh, where the father has an influence of course psychologically but it's not as deep as the birthing of the matrix you you we know through psychology that uh, the moment that the mother knows that she's pregnant what she feels at that moment has a massive imprint on the baby. Meaning like if she feels like she's with the right partner, that she's secure, that she's, you know, going to be supported, then she feels so delightfully happy to be carrying this life that has an incredible impact on allowing the baby to feel secure and happy and welcomed into life versus, a woman that like takes it almost 
you know, by surprise with a guy that she was just kind of barely dating, but she didn't really want to be with him. The guy's broke and she's broke and like, they don't know what they're going to do. There can be a massive fear about becoming pregnant and giving birth to that child. That's going to imprint that child, whether, you know, they choose to carry through the whole birthing is, is a whole other story. And that can also be shown into um, the Sphinx Code, where there's some people who are aborted and there are miscarriages as well. And, and then they come back with that same parent, which is quite a fascinating thing. So there's definitely more wounds within the feminine. But on top of it, the, the, the feminine, therefore the mother, also carries some of your past lives. So it's, it's quite fascinating where, you know, well, I would say that our parents' generation probably kind of half believe in this kind of stuff where they just think and they were brought up as thinking that uh, most things are just coincidence right mm-hmm. and and the world is just causal there's this kind of cause and effect versus there is any kind of soul choice and so we've been brought up more as no no your soul chose your parents and you chose all this and I think it's going to go beyond that. It'll be like, well, actually, you didn't really choose it. Your karma brought you into that soul. And here's your inner gift that you have to deal with now due to your karmic links. And your mom carries that information through her birthing process where the, the father is literally just the seed. It's kind of like the spark of the lighter, you know. But your uh. mother's the cigarette and the smoke. interesting analogy but no that definitely helped to really understand it better thank you wow fascinating um i actually am curious to ask you because also again reading up on the sphinx code we can actually learn also about like a world forecast so just curious there's anything that you can say and especially i'm only asking this also, Manesh, because it's living through some very, very challenging time right now to, um, uh, you know, as an understatement. So is there anything that, curious from your perspective, what, what we can learn from uh, our current state of the global climate where everyone is so uh, afraid of the unknown there's just a fear of pandemic also just any thoughts absolutely uh and that's a great question yeah the 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 sphinx code and basically the architects play through obviously uh what i call transit and so there's kind of like a, a broadcasting field right and each year has a certain energy each month has a certain energy each week has a certain energy and each day has a certain energy and obviously, the year's imprint is pretty strong. And this year, 2020, has has kind of obviously the judgment twice, which is 20. And then when you reduce that, that becomes the emperor. And the emperor is all about the cornerstone. It's kind of like the new, the, the new structure that is being put in place right now. And I would say economically, there's a whole new development going on where our money is going to go back to, in a sense, being um, backed by a precious metal like gold, and it's probably going to go digital. So we're completely changing our financial system. We're also completely changing some of the basic structures of our bodies. And, and if you look at 
the virus, it's always a certain RNA upgrade or DNA upgrade that the planet sends to us to help us move into a whole new kind of evolution. And actually, um, you know, we're, we are made of viruses. Our whole DNA is a structure of viruses. We use viruses to go and do DNA uh, modifications and things. So having this virus come onto this year to reshape the foundations of our society and our structure and our own structure physically, and therefore disrupt our entire ego, mental mm-hmm. understanding of things is part of this year's whole uncertainty. Now, next year is going to be the high priest. And so it's about restructuring our moral code, which is also going to be quite a trip. And then the year after that is going to be the levers. And so it's going to be very stressful, but it's all about recentering into the heart, which then moves into the chariot, which is going to be quite uh, busy and active and could even develop into a war or not, you know, like that's really our choice to then find justice at the end of that. And so that brings us into 2025, basically where things refine their just place and the injustices of the past get corrected to move us into a new whole world uh, through the hermit, which is bringing in the wisdom and then the wheel of fortune which is where life changes, which is about 2027. And if you look at human design, that's very much also part of the the transit cycle. And if you look at astrology, there's a lot of stuff going on in 2027, which is about revolutionizing uh, our, our whole epic and moving into a whole new way of being, actually, and a whole new consciousness and therefore taking on a different form. And so, as I was saying before, there's a certain collapse of our old ways that is happening. And, and this is what we're feeling in this year. But actually, we're really in a beautiful, perfect alignment of change. And so, yes, like people who like status quo are probably freaking out. Yeah. But the people who are enabled to you know, go with the flow to open up their hearts and to understand that there's a greater cycle going on and we are part of it. So there's no fear to be had except for just adapting to new ways of thinking, new ways of being and moving mostly into the heart, into what we're meant to be, which is love. Uh, Even though that sounds very cliche, it really is, and, and it's profound, meaning like love is, is your highest self, your higher purpose. It's not to go work, you know, for the man and just for cash. Like, that makes no sense. Like, their world is abundant. There's enough resources. There's enough food. There's enough shelter. There's enough of everything. But reconnecting to your higher essence, reconnecting to your higher purpose, to your higher gift of what you want to give to the world will align you to your tribes to your you know let's say real soul family 
And then there's incredible support for you to shine that gift out into the world. And this is what we're doing with our society. It's, there's no longer the individual that's going to be suppressed for the greater benefit of all. It's actually going to be the individual that shines individually so that our society evolves to a new level of awareness that we're not even capable of imagining. So yeah, the next, you know, seven years are going to be super fascinating. And it's, it's one of these things that like only happens here every 300 years or so. Wow. This massive shift of power that's going on. And, uh, you know, I would say the old banking cartel is losing to a whole new technology cartel and that we're able to see it. And is technology going to be for the natural life process or even more clamping it down? That's for us to decide. And to shit. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I feel like we can get on a totally different tangent on this. But in a nutshell, God, that was so fascinating. But thank you so much. First of all, it helped to definitely reinforce the perspective that I was trying to see about what is going on right now with so, so much. And I was trying to see it from uh, this kind of awakening our collective consciousness. So, um, but you absolutely definitely um, was able to show a more profound way of looking at it, everything down to, that was fascinating what you said about the whole erasing of what we'll know from the banking cartel to technology. I mean, thank you again for that perspective. Uh, You heard it right here, guys. (laughs) Um, Manesh, they're um, running out of time and I wish I had more, but I love to ask my guests, This one question, which is why the podcast is called P.S. Younger Self, and I'll be really curious to hear from your perspective, someone who's so enlightened. But if you could go back to your younger self, Manesh, at any age in his life, in your life, to pass on one piece of wisdom that would remind him to just live fully in the present and on his terms, is there something that you'll like to pass on? Yeah. Trust your heart. I think there's something about like, we all have that intuition inside. And, you know, a lot of people will have different views upon yourself and yet your heart knows. And uh, I mean, I think I was lucky because I really was encouraged to do that or somehow my own being had that, even though I went through quite a hard depression from eight to 12. And I think at that point, I would say, trust yourself deeply and don't worry so much what other people think of you. That was beautiful. Thank you. And so lastly, where can people connect with you, Manesh? Find your work, learn more about the Sphinx Code. We're so lucky that you're also going to be joining us at our Dreaminar Summit on August 14th. So everyone, definitely make sure you will not want to miss it. But online, digitally, where can people connect with you, Manesh? So just recently, my Facebook and Instagram was hacked, and so it's offline, which is quite upsetting. I was, okay, I was going to ask you, I'm like, I swear I talked to him on Instagram, and I can't find him anymore, because I was trying to tag you. Okay. Uh, Right now, my site, ManeshIbar.com, so M-A-N-E-X-I-B-A-R.com is probably the best way to get more information. 
sphinxcode.com is a, a simple site right now that kind of gives you access to some information. We are launching a uh, PDF kind of format uh, about in September um, so that people can just type in their information and they'll have a full PDF of their whole Sphinx code reading uh, complete. And so that should be really interesting and very fun for people to get and uh, start their beautiful journey through transcendence and allowing their gifts to shine out into the world. Yeah, well, I can't wait for my audience and Dreaminar to um, connect with you and learn more about it and get into your world because I had such an f- um, incredible time going through even your beautiful website. It was I felt like I was going through like this journey on your website. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your valuable time. And I can't wait to see you also on the 14th. Yes, me too. Looking so forward to it. Thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.